Welcome back to Crest in the Afternoon. Tom Nash filling in for Al Cresta today. We're going to be speaking, we hope to get him on soon, Monsignor Charles Pope, about yesterday's gospel about the rich young man and uh, what does heaven cost. And looking at Monsignor's uh, presentation, his homily, which was in the National Catholic Register and on the Archdiocese of Washington, uh, their website, he talks about how the rich young man is speaking to Jesus. And he mentions, he notes that the when he says, what do I need to get to to get to heaven? And Monsignor observes that, well, he's kind of being playful with them because he says, well, you know the commandments. And he's, it's kind of a both and, although it's true what Father says is that you can't, we can't get to heaven by ourselves. Nothing we can do can get to, can allow us to get to heaven. And yet we must respond to that gift of salvation. We must respond to that relationship. And so that's why Jesus points out the need for the commandments. But then we find out that this man doesn't have God first because we find out when he says, well, what more can I do? I've filled, filled all the commandments. Well, maybe not completely as far as having God first because he's, Jesus says, well, he looked at him and he loved him. And he says to the rich young man, he doesn't, he doesn't, he's not described as the rich young man per se, but we know he's rich because he had a lot of possessions. And because he had a lot of possessions, he didn't want to give up everything and follow Christ, that what Christ was asking was too high a price. And this is where we need to remind ourselves, brothers and sisters, now we all have vocations, not all of us will have to be called to the evangelical councils, that is poverty, chastity, and obedience, which is what uh, we, we get from the gospel because, you know, giving up everything in terms of following Christ, obedience goes with that, and then uh, chastity, because Jesus talks about eunuchs for the kingdom in Matthew chapter 19, verses 10 to 12, right? Right after he talks about uh, a valid marriage, there's no divorce and remarriage. He goes on to say, well, better that uh, we shouldn't get married, Lord. And he says, well, not everyone can accept that teaching. And he goes on to point out, accept the teaching that is of being single for the Lord. And uh, so the rich young man was not ready to pay that price. And all of us, as I say, need to be childlike. That is, we see it in Matthew 19. Jesus goes on to talk about it in Matthew 19, verses 13 to 15, and then also Matthew 18, 1 to 4. Adults, it's, it's a difficult concept for us because we're used to being taking care of responsibilities. Maybe we're married. Maybe you're pastor of a church. But we never should lose sight of the fact that we're childlike, and that's the best witness we can give to others because they need to be reminded that we can't do anything without our Lord Jesus Christ. He, we can't do anything without the sacraments, without the power of, of his grace. And so the rich young man, we see that he valued his possessions too much, that those had become a god of sorts to him. And that's a problem. Now, some people's issue might not be money. It, it could be other things. It could be uh, power that they have. Or maybe it's interesting that... Uh, some people treat, and I love sports and I love football, but I say faith, family, and football in that order because some people treat sports, whether it's soccer or football, as they say around the world, that can be treated like a religion by some in uh, England or other parts outside the United States, maybe some in the United States, but American football can become such a thing. Uh, sometimes people would be more likely to watch their favorite team on Sunday than they are to get to 
uh, participate in Mass. And so that that becomes <laughs> their small G God and ultimately can't be fulfilling. So we have to ask ourselves, Lord, what is it that's keeping me from you? And if we follow Christ, we have to give everything up. Not that we're imprudent, but we got to say, Lord, what is it that I'm holding back from you? What vice? It could be alcohol, somebody with pornography. Uh, it might be making a, a God out of the work and becoming a workaholic. Whatever something is, or maybe it's a, an, an avocation, music, whatever something that might be pulling you away from following the Lord, fulfilling your obligations, fulfilling your family obligations, that's something that's similar to the rich young man is kind of a you know, a small G God. It's, it's, it's an idol. It's taking the place that only God can, who can truly fulfill us. As Jesus says, I am the way, the the truth and the life, as he says in John 14, uh, verse six. So when he's asking the rich young man to follow him, he is the incarnate word. He is God made man that we can, we know that if we follow Christ, that he will fulfill us. And we see it in the lives of the saints. Do we not? be they married or unmarried, and many of whom have uh, followed the evangelical councils, right? Still waiting to get to uh, Monsignor Pope, but as Monsignor Pope would agree, it's like those saints who live the evangelical councils are just like himself. When when celibacy, for example, even if you're not taking vow of poverty and obedience, I think the world hates celibacy so much that when the priesthood is lived and live joyfully, it's a reminder that there is a God. And if there is a God, then, oh my goodness, I'm going to have to render an account for my life. And people don't necessarily want to be reminded of that. And no doubt the scandals have been stumbling blocks for people to come into the church, such as the clerical sex abuse scandal. But of course, getting married doesn't change if someone's got a problem with uh, pedophilia or ephebophilia, the second one, ephebophilia being with, with um, adolescence, getting married to an adult woman isn't going to solve that, especially if it's of a homosexual nature. So we need to remind ourselves what it is to follow Christ. Do we trust him enough? Similar with the Eucharist. Uh, we spoke uh, this la- earlier in the program, spoke about, uh, or I'm sorry, we're going to say we were speaking uh, next hour, to uh, Father Cush, John Cush of the Diocese of Brooklyn, and he speaks about how St. Irenaeus, who's going to be named a doctor of the church, how the importance of the Eucharist and how the Eucharist can transform our lives. Do we trust Jesus? Because those people in John 6, they didn't trust. They turned away. This was too much for them. Do we trust God, who is indeed trustworthy? Do we believe that what he did 2,000 years ago in rising from the dead, is he relevant today? If he's God, then he's always relevant because he who is outside of time created time. So we need to turn to Jesus Christ, turn to him in the Eucharist. If we haven't been to Mass for a long time, haven't been part of the church for a long time, don't let some priest, some bishop, whoever the case may be, some person representing the church be a stumbling, be an impediment for you to be reconciled with the church. Humble yourself and know that God has always worked through human persons to bring himself to us. That is, he gave the power to forgive sins to his apostles. He gave them the power to uh, make present his one sacrifice that began in the Garden of Gethsemane and then culminate, excuse me, I should say culminate on earth in his death and then his resurrection, but then culminated in everlasting glory in the heavenly sanctuary and heaven and earth become one at Mass. And so Jesus 
promises us that he will give us the strength to do so. And the lives of the saints, pick your favorite saints, St. Saint Francis. Uh, one of my favorites is St. Maximilian Kolbe when it looked like he was going to be the first, one of the first people dead when in Auschwitz. Uh, he was the last person conscious, and he was such a great witness in the, the death camp and, and in the starvation bunker where they took away everything, including water, and tried to go without water for a few days. But even when you've already been in a death camp for that long, well, he was still conscious 14 days later, and that's why they uh, injected him with carbolic acid. But the interesting thing, too, about it, many people will talk about, like Victor Frankl will say that many people, their faith, whether they had faith or not in a concentration camp had a big impact on whether they would make it. And for those who didn't or who lost hope, they oftentimes would end up die or come out maybe atheists. There are Jewish people, sadly, and other people of faith who came out atheists. But the great thing about Colby is he was leading people in confession. He had a peace which the world could not give that, that the Nazis could not overcome and was Christ-centered, it was Eucharistic-centered. And so that's why the, the Nazi guards, as was testified in his um, canonization proceedings, saw him as a trauma or a shock. And why is it they would find him as a psychic trauma or a shock? Because I dare say they were used to at least seeing, apparently, that evil was triumphing over good on a daily basis, and therefore they were on the right side of the Nazis. But then when they saw this man with an indomitable spirit, then they saw this man with tremendous faith, with tremendous joy, serenity, it pierced their souls such that, again, it's like, uh uh-oh, there really is a God, and I'm going to have to answer for it. And speaking of the Eucharist again, the great uh, leper priest, I learned of him well before he became uh, canonized, in the last decade, or I should say the first decade of the of the third millennium, that is the leper priest, Father Damien Molokai, St. Damien de Wooster. And he went over to, uh, to Hawaii, and he wanted to be this great missionary. It looked like he wasn't going to be able to, but then his brother, who was going to be, got sick, and he ends up, he was good enough help that they sent him over there. And, and that was an island you couldn't be voted off of people. That was an island because of leprosy. Once you were there, and because of the state of medicine in the 1800s, you're there to stay. And he said, but I could not have been able to do it if it were not for the Eucharist. And it's not just that he sustained himself, but that this God is real. It's not just the power of positive thinking. That'll get you only so far on an island with a bunch of lepers. If it's just positive thinking, they're going to see through it, and they're going to realize it's a mirage. But in fact, he brought God to them through the Holy Eucharist, through the other sacraments, through his preaching, that God is real. And that's why these people's lives were transformed and they turned away from alcoholism and they turned away from sexual abuse and they realized their human dignity. And that's why at the time he was known the world over, the great Damien de Wooster, the leper priest, precisely because he said yes to God, precisely because he, in contrast to the rich young man, of course, we don't know what happened to the rich young man later. We like to think that he had a change of heart. Uh, We'll find out on Judgment Day for sure. But the bottom line is we should never lose hope in anybody's salvation, no matter what, because as we see with St. Paul in the letter to the Ephesians, even the worst enemies of the church, be they Catholic politicians, be they members of Planned Parenthood, be whatever they might be in opposing Jesus Christ and his church, they are prospective converts, brothers and sisters. They are not our irrevocable enemies. Our irrevocable enemies are indeed the principalities, the powers, as St. Paul speaks about in Ephesians 6.12. These, chapter 6, verse 12, these are the people, these are the persons, the spirits, who are irrevocably opposed to God because they chose 
perfectly, perfectly that is in a sense that it was irrevocable, not that it was a good, perfect choice, but they chose and saw exactly the all of their consequences and they still, God have mercy or God forbid, chose against God. So we need to remember that nobody is beyond, no human person here on earth is beyond redemption. And when we do that, we can realize that like the rich young man, that if we realize Jesus Christ is that good shepherd who goes out and seeks out the lost, however lost they might be, Christ died for everyone. Christ can bring people back. And we should never lose hope for our loved ones, for our children. There's St. Monica for that. Uh, and lots of other saints we can pray to. Jesus Christ is the Savior for one and all. Well, in a little bit, we are just going to be on the other side of the break. We're going to talk to Stephen Gradonis. And uh, speaking of the Eucharist, there is a new Netflix series called Midnight Mass, which is uh, causing a little stir around this Hollywood Halloween time. And we'll talk to Stephen in just a few moments and get his thoughts and Catholic analysis. 